0: Today on the Whatsoever Things Show, we have special guests, our very own executive pastor, Scott and Katie Anderson. They share their testimonies and how they came to Oxford, their ministry here, and a little bit about church hurt and how to deal with it. It's another great show, so hang on. Here we go. Well, hey there, everyone. Welcome to the Whatsoever Things Show, a podcast designed to stimulate your mind, tickle your funny bone, and encourage your faith.
1: Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything
2: worthy of praise, think about these things.
0: This is the Whatsoever Things Show, recorded on March 15th, 2021. Katie the Lady is a hot mess.
3: Welcome to another episode of the Whatsoever Things Podcast. Uh, To my right, I have Thomas. Thomas, welcome back i'm glad we kept you for another show <laughs> <laughs> and then we have his his partner brother-in-law uh josh hamlin
4: oh hello
1: last week when he said he wasn't expecting <laughs> anything he said oh, we got Thomas time everyone. me
4: hey. like <laughs> a
1: shock That's jock right. from the 90s radio
4: <laughs> it's kind of a joke because he um We'll be joking before we hit record, and he hits record, and all of a sudden, office mic gets in there, or corporate mic, He <laughs> says, yeah. welcome to the podcast. It's very, very professional.
3: And then we have our, our editor uh, extraordinaire, Pastor Daniel, who doesn't have a mic. And I just want to tell everyone, we probably say this every podcast, but Pastor Daniel refuses to have a mic. So I had somebody ask me <laughs> yeah. yesterday, why don't we give pass the mic to Pastor Daniel every now and then? He refuses. He will yell across at some point.
2: He's not interesting,
0: that's
3: why. He's not interesting. <laughs> and then today we have a special guest on today's show. We have Pastor Scott Anderson, the executive pastor at Oxford Assembly of God. And then the real reason we hired him, we have his wife Katie Anderson as well. <laughs> that's right. Welcome. That's the real reason. Hi. Good to be here. So uh, this is, we wanted to ask you on the show, we had heard that you both gave a testimony at a recent event here, and it was awesome. Everyone was raving about it, and we said, well, they should have came on our show first. <laughs> but anyway, we'll take you, we'll, we'll take you, uh, your, yeah. your um, interview now and discuss sort of your, your backstory on how you got sure. to Oxford Assembly of God and, and uh, how you came to your faith and, and your testimony. Um, I don't want to add anything to it for you, but um, let's start off with uh, a a quick icebreaker question that we ask all of our um, interviews, and this is for both of you. How did you end up at Oxford Assembly of God?
5: Well, I was married in. (laughs) I was married in. I was drug kicking and screaming. Right? Uh (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, I guess you can share how you Mm -hmm. came, and then that's kind of how I came.
0: <laughs> so for me, um, actually, I had just um, was getting ready to graduate from Southeast University. Um, just completed my, I think it was two and a half years there. And part of the program before you get your diploma is you have to do a 10-week internship at a church of your choosing. And um, I'm a little anxious to announce this to everyone, but I knew Pastor Chuck oh, and so
2: yeah.
1: Cut it. Cut it now. So,
0: <laughs> so I had his phone number, so I called him up and I knew he had been at Oxford for a long time, and I knew Chuck, and I said, you know, if if Chuck's been at a church for a long time, it's gotta be upstanding, and I heard a lot of good things about Oxford Assembly, and I really felt like God was kinda calling me to fly the coop a little bit, and so I left my home church, and um, Pastor Strickland graciously allowed me to do my 10-week internship here, and seven weeks in, I was called into his office. It was like being called into the principal's <laughs> office. I thought I had done something. I thought my degree's out the door, uh, my calling's out the door. But he asked me, he said, well, Wait, would
3: you... did he ask you if you want to go to Popeye's? <laughs> no, he did not oh, that, okay.
0: that <laughs> or day. Or Mexico or Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah. Yes, um, that, those are definitely his favorites. Um, but he asked me if I would like to come on staff. And I said, sure. He said, I don't know how it's going to work out, but somehow God will work it out. And the rest is history. Awesome. God worked it out.
3: Good deal. And so as you said, you were graduating from Southeastern University, so your background is in ministerial education?
0: Yep. So I've got a Bachelor of Science in um, Practical Ministries and then a minor in Pastoral Leadership.
3: Okay. Um, we had a guest on, I'm not going to say who recently, that <laughs> said at one time at Southeastern University, the food was real, the food, the, was the, bad. the food options they had were bad. It was bad. And they actually rioted the students did now <laughs> did you have i was you not part particular? of that riot okay, okay. Um, i think that was before i got there yes. but i did hear about it i so did the hear food about it they changed. stepped
0: the food up Cause they stepped it up quite a bit i, before didn't, I, got
3: I was there. thinking before this podcast <laughs> it didn't because you were really skinny when you came and i said <laughs> that, is I true. that is true when i was on the campus at florida state i ate a chick-fil-a all <laughs> the time because the ATM tr- gave you five dollars, and I was like, Chick-fil-A, five dollars Chick Fil A, five dollars Chick Fil A. So there are a yeah.
1: few things that'll make me riot. Bad food is one. I'll tell you right now, I'm, I'm gonna burn a building down.
2: Yep. The biscuits <laughs> is terrible. Allegedly, yeah. allegedly, allegedly. 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 <laughs> for sure.
3: So, uh, for the reason we have you here, we uh, we understand you have an outstanding testimony that you gave, and we would love to hear it. And let the um, the rest of Oxford Assembly of God that wasn't at that. And was it at a was it at a joy event? That was or? at the Joy
0: Fellowship uh, okay. last month. Actually, okay. they invited me to come.
3: Joy, our just older youth. That's right. Well, other or older? Just I think older it's youth. Just older. Uh, just older youth. Just older youth. Okay. Older. And so, if we'll we'll turn it over, we okay. will put mm. our mics on mute so we won't um, interject <laughs> or bother you. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Oh, you guys can leave. You're done. Bye. Yes. <laughs> That's you're for.
3: <laughs> no. Uh, so at any time, uh, Thomas and Josh and I, are, you know, we may we may butt in and okay, yeah, and ask you some more questions. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Thank Great. you. You want to go first?
5: I can go first. Um, I was just kind of had a really pretty simple all-American childhood. My dad was a small business owner, and my mom stayed home was a stay-at-home mom. I'm one of three kids. I have an older sister and a younger brother. I say younger, but we're only like. 17 months apart like we were raised like twins (laughs) so um and i am the fifth generation pentecostal so my great great grandmother um was 14 years old and was married and had a baby it was during like great depression times and she started learning about this outbreak in her hometown of earth to survival and she was curious so she came to assembly's of god church in her town and ended up like being so set on fire for god and then my she brought my great-grandmother with her and then then it just kind of just trickled down and i have a really strong legacy in my family of just pentecostal um leadership and i love it and i'm very thankful for that
3: what state was that was that here i was here in
5: florida it's actually in leesburg oh good so yeah um my dad owns hamptons auto in leesburg Um, so we, we didn't really have a lot of money growing up. It was a family business and my, my parents did the best they could. We never knew we didn't have money until we got older. And then we're like, how did you do this? (laughs) You know, but, um, and I was a church kid. My parents were, um, young adults pastors and, um, my dad was on the board and my mom was, um, women's director leadership or something like that. So I was in church my whole life. I actually remember getting saved in a missionettes class. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember the the lesson being on how Jesus is your best friend and what that means to have Jesus as your best friend. And I knew immediately at eight years old that I wanted Jesus my best friend forever. So I got started on this journey of just getting plugged into church at a really young age. I was going on missions trips and just um doing everything getting involved in everything (laughs) we were always at church when the doors were open we were there and um wasn't until like i was in high school i woke up for school one morning and i felt horrible horrible and I just thought maybe I had the flu or something was wrong. COVID, right? <laughs> yeah. And um, it was horrible. I remember I woke up and I was thinking, man, I don't feel good. And I went to go to my parents' room to get some medication. and ended up falling in the living room and my dad found me on the floor and I was seizing. Wow. So they took me to the hospital and the neurologist and all these people were like looking over me. And I remember freaking out and but being I mean anybody who's not had a neurological disorder I mean you're you're here but you're like not here you're fading in and out and I just have like very few memories of that season of my life and it was really bad I was transferred to Arnold Palmer Hospital for Children in Orlando and um just they basically told my parents I was just gonna be a vegetable like I was one seizure away from just having my whole life ripped from me I had just gotten my license and they took my license from me and I was um, like doing fine arts which is our um, Mm -hmm. PF youth um, talent thing I guess scholarship program but um, it was just I was involved in everything and then suddenly my whole world got flipped upside down and I remember just like praying and asking God like why Like, all I've done is serve you. I haven't done anything. I'm not, never smoked, never drank. I mean, I had this nickname in high school, Katie the Lady, because they knew (laughs) not to mess with me. Like, listen, no. I
1: had the same nickname. Uh Everybody everybody called me a lady.
5: (laughs) We have that in common. So, (laughs) I mean, it just became just debilitating, and I became just emotionally and physically and spiritually drained but the church stood behind us and stood behind my family and just prayed for a miracle and they said you know we're not gonna we're not gonna give up we're just gonna keep praying so my parents just took me to specialist after specialist after specialist and um and i wish i could say that my healing came instantly through a church service and like they all prayed and i was fine um and i and I, that's great that sometimes healing works that way and we serve a god of miracles but god I remember sitting in a church service just feeling broken and lost, and all my friends were getting married and going to college and doing all this, and I'm, like, just horrible. Like, I just feel horrible, and I felt horrible about my life. And I was insecure, too, because here I am walking around with this sickness that nobody knows what's going on, and I was, like, the sick kid in high school. And I was homeschooled, and I was pulled out of school. I mean, it was horrible. So I just remember sitting in a church service broken and praying and asking God why because I'm like, you know, do you even love me, God? Is this even a part of the plan you have for me? Is it and I just began to like, you know, psychoanalyze like things and just question everything, you know? And so I remember God speaking to me and just saying, Katie, this pain that you're going through, there's a purpose. You're gonna experience me on a different level. And I remember thinking, I don't know what that means, a different level. I've served you my whole life. Like what's what's another level? you know so um i was like okay god i surrender whatever if you're good all i know is that you're good and you have a plan and that we're just gonna keep trugging along and eventually my prayer just became that even if he doesn't heal me that he's still good and that i still love him and he still loves me and he still has a plan and so eventually my healing became like i became um healed and And so it was like weeks, days, months, years, and eventually I wasn't having seizures anymore.
3: Oh, you were still having seizures during this? Yes. Okay.
5: Yeah, I had seizures for about five years. So, and eventually my life just became slowly back to normal, but my relationship with God was deeper because I was going to church, but I didn't have a relationship with him. I was in a religion. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, I -hmm. was going to church and I was thinking I was doing everything for God, but I wasn't. I was doing everything for the church. (laughs) So it became like, almost in a way, it became bondage to me. Like, because I couldn't, because I was sick, I couldn't get involved in church. And so I was like, oh, this is punishment. You know, this is, I can't, I can't serve in this and I can't do this and I can't do this. And I thought it was punishment and that God was just like upset with me and i thought and then that's just this lies from the enemy it's yes. just lies and i'm thinking back now like i'm like how, why did i believe that crap <laughs> like why did i like why did i believe that that's what god saw in me why did i believe that that those were just lies and and i was caught up in religion and i believe it and i don't want to go off on a tangent mm-hmm. but i believe that this generation Need, our generation needs to see that it's more than just a religion. It's a relationship yeah. with is, God. Yeah. And I think that what we have to be as a church is transparent and just be like, listen, I struggled. I struggle every yeah. day. I'm not perfect. I sin every day. Yeah. I'm a hot mess.
3: That's coming from Katie the Lady.
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Katie yes. the Lady
5: is a hot, really? mess. <laughs> hot mess. Yes. But I mean, well, that's awesome it's you said that because in my
3: testimony, it's that personal relationship. Yeah. someone brought that to my attention yeah you know ingrained that in me that it's a personal relationship and that's right. like the, oh yeah
2: you
3: know it's, i was chosen
5: right exactly i never chosen
3: first on teams <laughs> oh. but he chose me first. <laughs> yes, yes that's awesome. absolutely Good. yeah <laughs> yes.
5: so i felt it's a huge calling on my life after yes. god had healed me and um wanted just to help other people you know in the church Develop a relationship within a religion, and I was really just thought like that was part of my ministry that I wanted to make sure that people knew that you're not going to go to heaven if you just go to church. You're going to go to heaven when you have a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was accepted to do a master's commission, which is an intense discipleship and disi- discipleship and Bible college, and it was supposed to be a four-year degree. It was supposed to be a four-year program, and I went to Tampa. <laughs> and um my parents dropped me off and it was great it was it was um just really just seemed like god ordained and god um opened the doors for that mm-hmm. so i um i eventually went to um masters commission and i served and it was probably about 4 or 5 weeks later that they said we're closed we're cool. not doing this anymore yeah. and okay. i remember coming home Miserable. Again, questioning, God, what are you doing? This is not the plan. And um, during Master's Commission, we had this thing where we would have um, a commitment ceremony, meaning that we weren't going to date for a year, that we were just going to focus on ministry and focus on getting involved. So I made a commitment to God, but then it's like, close the door. You're going home. So I'm like, I don't have to. I mean, <laughs> I'm not keeping this commitment.
2: Just <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: away in some file cabinet in a storage right? facility. Like the, it,
5: wasn't, it wasn't real. It wasn't a real commitment, right? So, um, so I just immediately started to feel convicted, and I was like, no, no. And I was so brokenhearted at that point. There was a lot of church hurt that happened in that season of my life. And so I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to focus on God to heal the broken inside me because here I am broken again. It seemed like God had just keep bringing me to this broken place, and I just was thinking, God, I don't know why I keep doing this. Like, why do you keep bringing to me this place of just, just brokenness and just hurt and deep, deep pain? And those of you though that have struggled with church hurt or um, church politics, yeah. I gotta tell you, like it—that's not God. Mm. You know, I mean, I think that God shows Himself in situations like that. But when you go back to serving, if you're serving God for a relationship and you're not serving the church, it shouldn't hurt that bad. You know, (laughs) you shouldn't be so can, you know, you shouldn't have to. um, And I think that that was just God, again, bringing me back to that place of brokenness. Like, who do you serve? Who do you serve? Who do you serve? And so um, we just, I moved home and then I got a job and just focused on ministry in my home church and then I just committed to God not to date for a year. And I just was praying and I was like, God, I'm pretty committed to you. And I'm pretty content where you have me in my life right now. So I'm not going to date for a year. I'm not just going to focus on you. So I did. I focused on God and just got really involved in ministry. And it was like almost like a year and like six days or something. It was crazy that um my Aunt Cecilia, who goes here, came to me at a funeral for a family member and was like, I had this guy I want you to meet. And I was like
4: like does she know about the year commitment and she's yes, like she, she put did. a calendar she did. on the <laughs> calendar right, she katie is did. available after <laughs> she knew
5: she, i told her i was like listen you know i i really because you know there's always people setting you up in church you know there's yeah, it always, never
1: works out when it's an aunt no it doesn't it doesn't
5: it does yeah except when it does, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when it does. they're so, the, they're the exception
1: not the rule. and his aunt
5: actually went to my um home church and she was one of my sunday school teachers and so Little did I know that she would. they were setting you up with the same person, which was Scott. So then we met Scott and or I met Scott and then we were engaged three months yeah. later and married oh, wow. a year later. We after don't recommend that.
0: that to the young people. What, what was that first three date? Three months. What was
4: that first date? I mean
5: it was. was, was it,
1: did uh, did we Pastor want, take you to Popeye's? We, yeah. we
5: went to Sonny's, I got redneck egg rolls. That's,
2: that's okay. <laughs> I knew she was the one for me. Yeah, <laughs> right. I asked her, where do you wanna go eat? She
0: said, Sonny's, and then she ordered her food and she ordered a large sweet tea and redneck egg rolls. I said, that's the woman for me.
1: <laughs> and it still took you three months to pop the question. <laughs> it
0: did. You knew right there, it brother, did. what happened? And, I mean, and she was a cheap date. I mean, Sonny's, <laughs> redneck egg rolls, I mean, it was cheap. So. It
5: doesn't take much to make me
0: happy. But
5: um, then I just kinda of in with oxford and i just fell in love with walk and um Mm -hmm. just fell in love with this church and the community aspect and they're not only community minded but i feel like we are definitely um Mm -hmm. missions minded you know it's not just about reaching people in our area but it's reaching people all over the world Mm -hmm. for the gospel and we are the church family for the church family for the family of god right Mm -hmm. (laughs) i have to say it slowly (laughs) but um so, I definitely feel like I'm part of the family, and I thought that that transition from me going to my home church because I had attended my home church when I was three years old, so thought that was gonna be a big transition, but mm-hmm. it was seamless it i there's I'm telling you there's so many people that have I've fallen in love with and that have I know that love me genuinely, and um it's good to be here
3: awesome wow that's that's really good. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> so did did uh, they ever figure out what well, the well, the seizures were? Or was um,
1: that just I like had a-
5: mono, and then I got walking pneumonia within the same year, and they were thinking like maybe that was um, like all correlated. Like That's it started, a a it, it start yeah it started, yeah. and it just. I mean, and I would have like paralysis. I would get these super bad migraines and I'd have paralysis on one side of my body, and not be able to move, and be like not be able to talk. Or I mean, it would it would it was just control anything with the mind like
2: and my parents
5: were terrified i mean they're doing spinal taps and they're doing all these horrible things i remember sitting in a fetal position in an emergency room crying and praying and my dad speaking tongues over me oh, wow. as they're putting it doing a spinal tap and putting a needle on my spine oh, yes. mm. and my dad just crying and he's like speaking over me and he's like jesus i claim healing in the name mm-hmm. of jesus and this is not the end for my baby girl and oh my gosh to this day like yeah. uh, it makes me emotional just yes. thinking about yeah, it I'm because i'm not crying
2: you're crying <laughs> yeah
5: right <laughs> i mean it's just um my parents are awesome they really are So the best an onion
3: in here? but yeah. <laughs> 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 Katie is you were Very talking cheap. I was just I mean this is not a direct correlation but we're studying exodus in Sunday school and we before that we watched the video and just thinking of Moses in the desert and the trials and yeah. you' kind of having it wasn't 40 years but it's
5: right felt like it yes. <laughs> wow. yeah
3: yeah felt like 40 mean, years. It, you just have so, uh, something to add to build your faith yeah you know? That's yeah awesome.
5: it definitely makes me um I was even telling Scott it seems like every unintentionally I feel like I've because I'm I'm greeting now in this between the services and stuff. And every time I talk to somebody, they're like, oh, I'm struggling with this. And I'm having really bad migraines. And I'm like, what? Like, I have so much compassion mm-hmm. for them now. I'm like, let's pray for those right now. Because I yes. know what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And just different people, I think I have, um, God has given me just a supernatural compassion for those who yes. are hurting.
3: My wife had a similar health uh Issue like that at, at sixteen, yeah. to eighteen, where yeah. kind of had to go through a lot of tests. So yeah, I'll was, let her know that's something. Yeah, you guys can really, yeah, um, yeah. We have in common. Yes. yes,
4: yes. Send her the podcast, Mike. Yes. <laughs> Check.
3: <laughs> All right, Executive Pastor Scott Anderson.
0: Well, my story is not quite that interesting, but <laughs> my story actually begins before I was even born, um, and. Uh, You know, I kind of contemplated, should I share this part? But it's a a large part of showing how faithful God is. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like what Katie was talking about, even in the midst of where it seems like you may feel like God has abandoned you. um, He continually shows up and he proves to you, no, I I know what you're going through. I'm right here. I've got you in the palm of my hand and I'm not going to let you go. Um, And I hope that sharing this part of the story just kind of helps everyone know that God truly knows us before we're even in our mother's womb. Mm -hmm. He knows us by name. He knows how many hairs we have on top of our head. He knows us genuinely. Um, My mom attended church faithfully, and uh, my whole entire uh, family actually attended the same church. It was 15th Street Church of God, and um, my whole church, my whole family was very involved in church. My dad was not a, a frequent churchgoer. He had a very private relationship with God. He didn't really put that on display. Um, he was very close with God, um, but he just wasn't really a churchgoer, and that's not to be disrespectful towards him to be honest with you he was very involved with a family business that we had on the Anderson side of the family Um, some people probably be surprised to know that my family um, we actually had a junkyard back in our day and my dad worked there six seven days a week Um, my grandfather owned it Uh, his two brothers worked there Um, it was a very successful junkyard and all that but it was a it was very hard
4: which junkyard
0: It was off of Rolling Acres and uh, Lady Lake, actually. I know it's junkyard. Yes. (laughs) A lot of people did. They would go in there. A lot of the teenagers would go in, and if they needed parts for their cars, they would go in and pull the parts they needed. But um, we were very poor growing up. I can actually remember um, we... We had we lived in a single wide trailer, and I can still see to this day it was yellow and had brown shutters, and it was built in the 1960s. And anyone that knows single wide trailers built in the 1960s, <laughs> it had zero insulation. Sounds now like your first
4: I. Place. <laughs> <laughs> it was in the 80s. So <laughs> it was and I, and,
0: I, and I know a lot of people would say, well, that's winter in Florida. It's not that bad. But let me tell you, a, a mm-hmm. winter inside of one of those, mm-hmm. you a gust of wind, you can feel it inside. Mm-hmm. We did not have central heat. Did not have central air. We had one window wow. unit for a, air. AC and did not have heater, so we had a space heater. My dad, I remember, on those cold winter nights, we would all get in the same bed. It was not a queen size bed, mm-hmm. not a king size bed. It was a full size mm-hmm. bed. Three people <laughs> in that bed um, to keep each other warm. He would turn wow. that space heater on. We would bundle up, and he would turn it off about yes. b- right
3: before we went to sleep, <laughs> yes. and, and that was I, it. Same memories, and uh, and uh, I can remember my dad had a. I think like a denim jacket. Yeah. I was so small, and he put that denim jacket as another blanket on me. Oh, yep. yeah.
0: Yep. Yes. Um, so a lot of people nowadays, they say I grew up poor, and it's mm. almost like a lot of people say that. When I tell you we grew up poor, I mean we grew up poor. Yeah. And I can actually, it's talking about the junkyard, I have a picture here, and I'll just kind of describe it to you guys. Um, the Anderson family, again, we didn't have much money. And to run a junkyard, there's some equipment that you need to run that. We So because we didn't have money to buy it from the store, from the dealers, we just would... Find, see what we had at the dealership at the junkyard and build it ourselves. And so we needed a boom truck. And so we had a 1960s Ford two-ton truck that came in to the junkyard. Um, the floorboard was rusted out of it. You pushed the pedals and they there was no stopping. You, and the tire right was right down. there. <laughs> it would just keep right on going. Um, and so it looks we, like
1: something out of Mad Max.
0: Yes, it does. It does. It. There is not one flake of paint left on it. It yeah. is just a rust bucket. And it came in that had a blown engine. So we were we uh, repaired the engine, rebuilt the engine. And um, is we, that you in here? That mm-hmm. is me in wow. there. Yes, my knee-high socks. Don't judge me. <laughs> um, but but yeah, we we had that came in and we had two galvanized um, power poles that came in and we crushed the ends of them and welded them together and we had some cable that came in and we made our boom truck and uh, it was very useful we made wreckers trailers you name it um, because we didn't have the money to buy it But back to kind of the church life, Um, so my mom was very involved in the church. Um, My dad wasn't so much, but um, the way we got involved with 15th Street Church of God, my home church, is um, a pastor, a family friend of ours actually worked at the junkyard, and his name was Pastor Hubert Bevel. A lot of people in the Leesburg, Lady Lake area know him Um, He was kind of like Pastor Strickland. He was a community pastor. Everyone knew him. He planted a lot of churches. He planted the church at 15th Street, and that's how we got kind of connected with him. Um, Everyone knew about the church. After a few years of pastoring that church, um, Pastor Bevel felt called to plant another church in Lady Lake. And some of my family followed him, and some didn't. But a new pastor came in. His name was Pastor Brewer. And uh, at that time, my parents were trying to have a child. And they were struggling. They went from specialist to specialist. She could not get pregnant. They spent some money along the way and nothing seemed to happen. And finally, she got pregnant. And everything was looking up and everything was going great. Um, my family continued to pray because they knew that it was risky still. And so they continued to pray and fast. And, um, and then, uh, probably about a few months into it, they knew the sex of the baby. It was a boy. Um, she felt like something was off one morning. So she went to the doctor, and um, they said, it's an etopic pregnancy. We're going to have to do emergency surgery today to remove it. And it was very traumatic for my parents. Um, to tell you how traumatic, just to give you an idea, my dad has worked for the same company for going on 37 years now, um, not the junkyard, another company. And um, the only sick day that he ever took was the day after my mom had that surgery. That's the only sick day he's ever taken. It was that traumatic for them. They pretty much gave up hope. Um, my family, they did not. They continued praying, they started fasting. They actually had someone on around the, the clock praying every single hour for 24 hours. And people signed up in my family, they started praying because they believed that God is a miracle-working God and somehow, some way, it was gonna happen again. And so one Sunday, Pastor Brewer got done preaching and he called my mom forward. And he said, I just feel led to pray for you. And so he prayed for her, and then when he got done, he said, I just feel like God wants me to tell you that get ready, you're going to get pregnant. You're going to have a baby. It's not over. God's going to make it happen, and just get ready. It's going to happen very shortly. Well, a few weeks later, she found out that she was, in fact, pregnant again. Mm -hmm everything was going well and then about the same period about the same length that she had the last one um she had started having problems um started trying to go into labor early and so what did the family do they started praying harder and um she stopped and she was able to carry full term and then on october 5th 1990 i was born and so i i tell people i was a pain now and i'm a pain even before i was (laughs) born i was trying to come out i was trying to come (laughs) out early um but uh now, now drifting c I'm I'm born and um I I church attendance I was drugged to church. I did not want to go to church. Um my, my mom made sure I went to church every single Sunday whether I liked it or not. <laughs> and um I remember one Sunday I was in I was seven years old and my Sunday school teacher re- made me recite the sinner's prayer. I had no idea what I was doing, um, and to be honest, I don't consider that as my salvation experience. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I was just saying what the teacher said. But then, um, about seven years later, I was about 15 years old. So about eight years later, um, I went to church on a Sunday, and one of the Sundays I decided to go to church as a teenager. And we had a guest speaker there, and she was leading a revival. Um, Her name is Marilyn Weeks. And um, she got done preaching. I could not tell you what she preached about. I probably slept during the whole entire <laughs> message to be completely honest. Sounds like me most and Sundays, yeah. sorry Pastor. She,
2: <laughs> she got Have done, us the best of us. Oh.
0: she got done preaching and she caught my attention because she said, all right, she stepped down off the altar and off the pulpit, and she said, I'm gonna get out my spiritual radar. And I thought, okay, what is this woman talking about? (laughs) I mean, I've been in Pentecostal churches all my life, but what is she talking about? I never heard about this. And so she says, sometimes um, the Holy Spirit will lead me to certain people, to pray for them, give me a word for them, um, and I just rely on Him. And I thought, oh goodness, this woman's gonna have my number. She's coming (laughs) for me. And she started heading in my direction. And then for whatever reason, she turned the opposite direction. She went over to the other side of the sanctuary. I breathed a sigh of relief. (laughs) And she went over there to the other side of the sanctuary and she was praying for this one woman. And I don't know what all she was saying in her ear, but I knew I wanted no part of it because this woman had tears streaming down her eyes. I'm a macho 15 year old teenager. (laughs) I wanted no part of this. (laughs) And so she gets done praying for her, prays for another woman, and then it happened. (laughs) She made eye contact with me. (laughs) And she starts heading in my direction, and I knew she was coming for me. And for whatever reason, I still to this day I don't know why, but the seat right next to me was left open. I don't know why my mom was not sitting in that seat on the outside aisle. If she was, this may not have this may be a completely different story today. She gave her a heads up before but, right. the service. That's right. That's right. At the end of service.
4: She this guy. <laughs> this guy.
0: So she sat right down next to me, and she knew I was embarrassed to be put on the spotlight. She took the microphone, put it behind her back, and I honestly it felt like it was just me and her in that moment. She had a conversation with me and she said, do you mind if I pray with you? And I said, sure. So she took my hands. And for the very first time, I felt something I had never felt before. I felt just an incredible peace and heat just come all over my body. And I prayed the sinner's prayer right then and there. And she also Before she prayed for me, she was telling me things that I was going through that no one knew I was struggling with. I didn't tell anyone. And so if I ever had any doubt whether God existed, Mm -hmm. it was in that moment that I knew he had my number. He knew exactly what I was dealing with and what I was struggling with. Um, About a year after that, um, I actually got called to ministry under purely divine circumstances. Um, I was um, been praying for quite some time for God to reveal his will for my life. Um, and that actually came about through conviction. Um, I had made up in my mind that I wanted to be a dentist. And I was, I was in high school and I figured, you know what? This was my reasoning back then. So immature, but this was my reasoning. I thought, you know, I, I, I love the medical field, but I don't want to be a surgeon because they have to work long, hard hours. They may get called in the middle of the night. I don't want to be that guy having to go do, you know, operate on someone in the middle of the night. So, okay, surgeon's out, and then I thought, you know, I really also, I don't like cutting skin, I just got a phobia about that. (laughs) Like, I'm good, I'm weird, like once the skin is cut, I'm good, the organs and all, don't bother me, but cutting skin just freaks me out a little bit. Uh So I thought, well, I can't be an oil surgeon, but I may be able to be a dentist. And so I figured, well, dentists make a six-figure salary, uh, they don't have to work long hours, sign me up. This sounds like my job. (laughs) And so, is only open like
2: three days a week, so, I, that's a I mean, job. this is great
0: and now look what I do. So let me tell you, never tell God what you're willing to do because God will make sure <laughs> he stretches you. But make a long story short, I interned with a dentist. I actually, I've got a crown at the house that I made in the office. I learned how to read x-rays. I mean, I was serious about this, but then there was just one day that I felt convicted. I'm like, here you are making all these plans and I have not even asked God what his will is for my life. And I just felt convicted. And so I started praying and I prayed the same prayer for two years, every single night before I went to bed. And I said, Lord, I want to know what your will is for my life. And I remember praying this, and I said, God, you know how, how, ex- how hard-headed I am. So, Lord, when it, however you reveal it to me, mm-hmm. reveal it to me in a way that I know it's from you.
1: <laughs> is it hard-headed or is
0: it just that glorious hair? It I could
1: be. be. It <laughs> could <laughs> be. I'm telling you, if I had his hair and your beard,
2: I'd be unstoppable. I, I wish I could take this up. <laughs>
0: So um, I prayed, and I was just before giving up because I mean I'd prayed this prayer for two years, and for a teenager that's some commitment. Oh, yes. dedication. I, I, I am I am dedication. over it. I, I mean that six figure salary is looking yeah. better, and I'm putting in applications to other universities, and and then finally I got my answer. It was a Sunday night. I was at my parents' house, and um, I we used to love watching uh, America's Funniest Home Videos on Sunday nights. That's when it came on. Mm-hmm. We were, we were in the living room. I was uh, watching TV, and my mom was looking to get a job at a local daycare. And so she needed her CPR certificate. She had looked all throughout the house for it. She knew she had it. And she thought maybe it's inside of this bin that has Scott's old progress reports and all of his crafts and arts. And he's an and only all child. That. I'm an only so, child, so there's a lot of things. There's, that a, stuff. Lot. there's a lot. She kept everything. Yeah. So. Yes. So she's going through, she dumps this bin out and she's going through pulling stuff out and out of the corner of my eye, I see this yellow piece of paper and it just kind of flashed by out of my peripheral vision on the side there and I saw it laying on the carpet and I heard this voice and it said, go see what that yellow piece of paper has on it. And immediately when I heard that voice, I thought, I need to lay off the soda and the pizza for a while, I'm hearing voices, this is freaky. Because I'd never had any, anything like that before. So I ignored it, and a few minutes went by, she keeps pulling stuff out of that bin, and um, I heard the voice again, and he said, I'm telling you, go see what that yellow piece of paper has on it. And I thought, okay, that's, that's very weird. And so, the last time, she's getting ready to put things back in the bin. And it said, this is the last I'm going to tell you. Go see what that yellow piece of paper has on it. Mind you, the yellow piece of paper is flipped upside down on the carpet. I had no idea what was on it. i never seen it before. And I reached over, and I thought, okay, humor me. So I reached over, picked it up, and I know you can't see it here today, but it uh, had my name on it, Scott. Underneath that, it said a traveler. And below that, it had Mark 16:15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Wow. And I knew right then and there I'd got yeah, my answer. But it wasn't just the yep. answer, but it was exactly what I've been praying for. I said, "God, make it clear." And how much clear could he have made it? He put my name, Scott. <laughs> he, it was addressed to me <laughs> in <Yeah>. bold letters <laughs> and said Scott. It, I mean, I don't know how much clear he could have made what it.
4: Is. What if you could have been a Dentist who preached to your patients. Uh, that, that may, up, yeah. I, I don't know. Isn't <laughs> that clear? What about what about
1: a, a pastor that does dental work on Sunday mornings? Hey, mm. Like as you're preaching, there's an there, idea. Yeah. Saying, I just, need a, just, a crown or something. Some side mm-hmm. hustle going yeah. on.
0: <laughs> Maybe I need to go back to school. Also,
1: your name's on every paper towel
4: in the bathroom. That's right. Yes, that's, that's, that's right. right. <laughs> that's funny. This has double dipping over here. I'm yeah. just <laughs> trying to. I'm
0: just trying to get rusty to get Scott toilet paper. That's what <laughs> I'm waiting for. <laughs> but. I got to talk to him about that but anyway (laughs) I decided to keep this to myself because I thought you know what if I want to be a coward about this because I was introverted I don't like public speaking and I still it's it's one of those things that I have to push myself to do it's outside of my comfort zone so I thought if I want to be a coward about this no one has to know about this it's just me and God no one I'm just going to keep this to myself so I kept quiet about it And there was, just as the Lord would have it, the very next Sunday, guess who is preaching a revival at our church? Miss Marilyn Weeks, (laughs) she's back. And so I thought, well, Lord, I'm gonna go up to her and I'm gonna see if you're gonna confirm it. No one knows about this, it's just me and you. And so she got done preaching and this Sunday she did differently. She didn't pull out her spiritual radar, nothing like that. So I thought, I'm in the clear here but then she said i'm just going to call you forward up to the altar if you want prayer just come forward and so it took me a while and i finally last minute i decided to jump in i was at the end of the line she finally got to me and she asked what do you need prayer for and i said i need to know what god's will is for my life that's all i said and she took my hands and i knew i was in trouble because then she started smiling and she started laughing and she said god wants you to know that he understands you don't have everything you need today to do what he's called you to do but in the years to come in time he's going to connect you with the people with the resources everything that you need to do what you need to do and then if that wasn't enough god knew i was hard-headed so once again he said you are called to ministry she said that point blank and i thought Okay. <laughs>
1: yeah, well,
0: what does she know? Yeah. What does she know? <laughs> Come on. What does I she like, know? she really know you? So, so it was. There were Holy several Spirit. other times. It was confirmed. It was confirmed. Uh, probably four or five times at least. Other episodes that happened. You are hard-headed. And so it was. It was. <laughs> yeah. um, still to this day. And but. Uh,
4: Let me just say, I think you're called to be a preacher or a minister. So I think. Uh, let me confirm that right now (laughs) 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 one more
2: confirmation
0: (laughs) so um then after that so i finally i committed and decided okay i'm gonna do this and so i went to lake sumter earned my A.A. degree because it was a whole lot cheaper going there than going directly to southeastern can i get an amen from anyone that's been to southeastern um so i completed that and um, during this time, I was actually serving as a youth pastor at my home church. I served there for four and a half years while I was going to college. Is that? I missed that terribly. Those, those long night, those all night lock-ins, lock-ins yeah. I miss those good. terribly. <laughs> um, is that where all your hair went, Daniel?
2: <laughs> <laughs> all night lock-ins. <laughs> 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 Got out while the getting was good. That's right.
0: <laughs> Got out early. Um, but uh, I went to Lake Sumter, earned my AA degree and then I transferred to Southeastern. Um, Before I transferred to Southeastern, though, um, I had one of the biggest obstacles that I'd ever faced, and because of the uh, people that it involves, I'm gonna keep their names out of it, but it was just a very traumatic experience um, for, for me. And I had a lot of people, it was actually a week before I was supposed to go to Southeastern, I had people, in my, even my family, and my mentors telling me, you know, I think you ought to take some time, get some healing, and then go. And I prayed about it, and I felt like God just told me, I'm gonna heal you as you go. Just mm-hmm. go, I just stay on the path, you know what I've called you to do, mm-hmm. don't quit. Don't, don't take a break, don't quit, it's gonna come. And so I went, and I never will forget the very first class that I had at Southeastern was with Dr. Robert Crosby. And I had only been to public schools before this. And so I was shocked when he came in and the very first thing out of his mouth was, we're gonna open up in prayer. Does anyone have any prayer requests? And I thought, I was just blown away by that because I'd never had a class start off mm. with prayer like this. This was this was incredible to me. And so I raised my hand and I just had it unspoken. And right then and there when he prayed, I felt healing come, an emotional healing come. For what I had, what what I was going through during that time, and so today, whenever I walk through Southeastern, whenever I see South, drive by it, I just think of that as that's the place God healed me of that emotional uh, distress that I was going through, and so I just want to encourage someone that may be listening today. Uh, maybe maybe you're being told to stop, slow down. I'm not saying there's not moments whenever you should stop and slow down and and take a breather, but pray about that because I'm going to tell you, God is faithful. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's not limited to healing you just when you stop. You can keep going and God will provide healing even as you're trusting in him and you're continuing to serve. Um, He he can continue to heal you even in that process. but so i graduated from there i came to south I came to um oxford assembly like i've already said yeah. and got off of the position uh, and the door opened and now the rest is history i'm here
1: and you're sitting what? at a table talking I'm to sitting us at a table. <laughs> i'm <laughs> sorry <laughs> you made the Black big time <laughs> i'm
3: telling you what's your dad's first name mason mason Anderson. that's right my dad um who was a rep for Power companies as a supplier knows right. your dad, and yes. then when I, when I had somehow mentioned you, he's like, "Oh, his dad's Mason. Yeah, he's a really good guy." Yes. And uh, um, and so is your dad more involved in church? Baptist? He he he
0: is more involved, yeah. and uh, he actually. My mom and him both attend here, actually at Oxford Assembly. They actually started coming about a year before I came to Oxford. Um, they were looking for a home church, and they got plugged in. And that's another kind of connection point for me. So
3: and my dad's who who's not churched. He has also there's another gentleman here that worked in that same industry. But we try not to say names. But right, right. Uh, And he still my dad knows him. He still asks me about my dad. and It's just neat. now Um, y'all connection
4: y'all both talked about church hurt and and sometimes people in the church hurt other people and i think most of the time unintentionally but i guess just if you could talk to that like just yeah i guess there's jerks everywhere (laughs) and some people are jerks and they don't realize it but we don't put our faith in people you know no but i Um, think that's a big problem with it. not a big problem but it's Something should be addressed. It is.
5: Well, at least with my experience is, like I said, I was serving the church and I wasn't serving God. So I had to make sure my priorities were in order. And I think um, when you're not serving God like you should be, then um, you're almost weak in that area. You know, like your relationship with him is weak. So um, at least with my opinion is there's nobody like church family. Mm -mm. when you are in a relationship with God and when you depend on people like the church to help you grow in your relationship with God, I feel like you, develop a super strong relationship i was telling somebody at the joy luncheon because they said oh my gosh can we just adopt you we love you <laughs> and scott can we you guys can just be our our son and our daughter our grandpa we'll be your grandparents and
1: does it come with an allowance <laughs> right um
5: and i just remember thinking like we are so blessed to have so many people that love us here mm-hmm. and i think though it it just comes across as i think people just like I said, have the best intentions, but I think sometimes the world just makes it a lot harder, you know, and I think Satan uses that too. I hate to say it. and I hate to use Satan as a, you know, I don't want to give him any more credit, but I do. I think that he is, he's in to destroy the church and even the world today is, is, spo- is in to destroy the church they're trying to silence us you know and i think that it's easy to get discouraged but i think with our relationships go with with church hurt i think um at least for me and what i experienced it was more of um church politics mm-hmm. like it was just and everybody's flawed you know mm-hmm. like there's a lot of people that i was really close to in ministry um ended up getting divorced. I've seen so many divorce in churches and I've seen so much um, just sexual sin in the church. And I think that it just comes with, you know, just Satan is to kill, steal and destroy. And he, he wants to distract us, you know. But I think when we have a relationship with other people and I think you have that bond and when that bond and that trust mm-hmm. is broken, like it, it hinders us. From it, and, and it hurts. And it hurts. I don't know what could
0: do Yeah, say. I'll tell you that there is no hurt like church hurt. Absolutely. That there's that saying in it. And it's very true mm-hmm. because you do have strong relationships with these people. Yeah, plus you your open church. your heart up. Of- you so do. Absolutely. You're very yeah, yeah. vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, this is the place where you're supposed to be able to be honest and, like we talked about, be transparent with people. So mm-hmm. it's a hurt unlike anything else. Yeah. But I often I think it kind of goes back to what Katie said too, at least for me. And that's kind of when this took place when i had when i went through this it's kind of a realization that um like she's already said i'm not serving just the people in the church i'm mm-hmm. serving god mm-hmm. and god did not wrong me yeah, yeah that's right. god did not wrong me um god has not done anything wrong to me and yeah the hurt is real because i mean you know people say you know words don't hurt well their words do hurt but I just have to keep reminding myself again, it's about the relationship that I have with God. I'm serving people, his people, and his church out of love for him mm-hmm. because I love him so much. Um,
5: and I, I'm reading this book um, by Lisa Turkhurst, by, for, and it's um, called Forgiving What You Can't Forget. Mm-hmm. And it's just a very raw uh, about her husband's infidelity and how her marriage survived that and forgiving him. And um, one thing that has stuck out to me, and I tried to live this every day with... Um, Forgiving people, especially in the church, and and the things that forgiveness is a process. Mm -hmm. It is not instantaneously. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lie that Satan brings. And he's like, you're supposed to forgive them, and you're supposed to move on and pretend it didn't happen. Now you can forgive them, but it can be everyday process. And I think for me, it was every day I woke up. Yeah, does it hurt? Yeah, it still hurts. But did I learn from that? Yeah. Am I still forgiving them? I forgive them every day. Because that's what God did for me. You know, and his grace is sufficient. And what I can't forgive, the blood of Jesus does. And he, he, the blood of Jesus covers all the cracks that is too deep for me to forgive. You know, and I think, at least for me, that's what I have to just keep pleading the blood of Jesus. And keep pleading the blood of Jesus saying, you know what, God, I, I'm having a hard time today. <laughs> and it seems like, I can't speak for anybody else, but it seems like it's harder to forgive them. On certain days, yeah you know <laughs> like it seems like I'm like, "Oh, I can forgive them today because I'm feeling good mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but when uh, those days where you mm-hmm. you struggle like you are like everything is coming against you, and everybody's pissing you off mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it's like yes. you know it's hard yes. it's hard to forgive them, but it's like you know the blood of Jesus, yes. thank you, yes. Lord, for the blood of Jesus that forgives
4: everybody mm-hmm. but. Yeah. Let's
2: do it.
3: Uh, Josh, you had wanted to bring up a topic. Um, <laughs> so
4: my favorite sermon that you ever did. I don't, I don't know what it was called, but you brought up Dr. Seuss and the star bellied <laughs> Sneeches. Sneeches, yes. yes. Um, I just love that story. I, I, I guess because when you're saying it, it just took me back to my childhood, <laughs> yeah. and it was like my favorite story, Dr. Seuss story. Well, now it's out of print. Dr. Seuss Company or the Trust or whoever they are, they they took it out of print because. They said there was some racist undertones. I don't. I don't see it in that story. I guess they kind of link it to maybe the Jews and the and the Holocaust were had stars sewed in. And but I still don't see it. I don't. I think it was more. It was deeper than that. But anyways, right. what do you think about you uh, using banned material in the church? <laughs>
0: Well,
1: well, I mean, the, the Bible's been banned from schools for how many years? <laughs> exactly, so, exactly. Hey. We're all about stirring that pot. <laughs> I would drop this mic if I didn't break it. <laughs> Please don't.
2: It's expensive. Yeah. Do you, you even you remember that
0: sermon, by the way? I do, and I'm trying to remember what the name of that was. I can go back and look. You got it in your notes? Yeah, <laughs> I've got it in my notes. I can put it up my iPad right uh-huh. now. um Yeah, I, I guess for me, I, I have to read reread that story because i'll have to reread it because i don't remember all the details but for me um and i think that's how it's kind of connecting to that sermon is is how you know a lot of people they they think oh i need this to be complete i need this to be complete but really and truly we're complete just just in and of ourselves with god and um you know we don't i i see it as i see the opposite kind of with that story, yeah. you know, I, I I don't see discrimination in that. Yeah, it, that's I, the, and I, I think see, that was I, see the the that I see just the opposite. I see just the opposite. I see just for the folks
4: who haven't read it and now you can't get it. Right. Oh, um, right. it's th- th- this guy goes to this island and there's half of them, half of these Sneeches, is that what they're called? Yeah, yep, Sneeches. Half of them have stars on their belly already, already, right. and they think they're better than the ones right. who don't have stars on their belly. And so he makes a machine that can put stars on anybody's belly. And so the people who don't have stars go and get stars on their belly, and then the ones who do have stars are kind of mad about it because now they're part of the general population. And so he says, we know this machine will take stars off your belly. And so he takes them off, and it goes back and forth and back and forth, and it gets so confusing that nobody knows what's what's the...
0: What's the end thing? The end like. thing
4: and what's not. And at the end, the guy who has the machine is just counting his money. Mm-hmm. And it's just a perfect... I mean, it fits for today pretty easily. Absolutely. Good. Yes, Control does. the crowd and mix them up and you can yeah. make a fortune. Yeah. yeah. Very and, true. And just dividing people against yes. each
2: other. Yes. Right.
0: So. Sounds like an indictment against media.
4: Yeah. For real. <laughs> hmm?
3: I like the sermon that you did when um, uh, Brother fort did that men's we had a couple of those sessions a a men's emphasis um like oh, a men's revival, the, the revival, like revival yes, yes and you you did the the message on the cloud the size of your hand oh and, yes and and the yes. faith in that that was awesome yes it's one of my favorites
1: can we, can we share the story about katie's Boyfriend. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um well hold on. Nobody could hear what, yeah. what yeah. we're leading into. Yeah. Daniel just has something about Katie has a boyfriend. I don't know if had Scott it. knows about had this, a, <laughs> but oh had a boyfriend, sorry. Allegedly. I about Allegedly. About <laughs> <it>. <laughs> I found out
0: tonight.
5: <laughs> um growing up in my home church, we had a family who um just became just like any relationship, just part of the family, yeah. part of your family. Um and it was this incredible couple who adopted three down syndrome kids and um one of them was david and he was um quite a bit older than i was but he would develop crushes on girls in churches in our church and um he would um i don't know one sunday he just was like oh hey katie and (laughs) i should have known by that but i i always loved david i loved um that family so much but there was this um it's funny he would write me love letters and he would send me love letters like in church he would like write katie and david's wedding and then he would like pass it and so like everybody's passing me notes from david during church and um he was just the sweetest kid or sweetest guy but um he recently passed away due to covid complications and um i gotta tell you though side note he had such a joy the lord mm-hmm. and i and he we went on a missions trip to miami and he he came along and you would have never thought that um he was any different than anybody else i mean he was he was awesome but um he um just was just became my boyfriend it became yeah. it was everybody talked about in the church and um he recently passed away and so they were talking about me at the funeral and like oh we have David's girlfriend, Katie in the back. <laughs> and then everybody's like, What? And i it's like, Oh, not didn't she marry a pastor? Isn't she married? I was like, Yes, I have a boyfriend. You <laughs> know, I, David. Think,
4: I just think of people who have, have um Down syndrome. They might be physically handicapped, but the place they're not handicapped is their ability to love anybody. Oh. Oh it my doesn't gosh. matter anybody. Yes. Like the rest of us, we're reserved with our hearts, you know, yeah. and they just open it up to but everybody. David was the
5: life of the party, yeah. man. I mean, he was a big George Bulldogs fan. Ew. He was. <laughs> well, <okay. laughs> yeah. he well, he old. was a cool guy. Now he's not, right? But um, he was he was a great guy. He was always making us laugh. But yes, yes, he was my rela- my long term relationship before I met Scott.
4: So if you get, how old are y'all?
5: I'm 27, right?
4: Oh, am I not allowed to ask that? Well, Scott <laughs> was born in 1990, so he's he <laughs> makes me
5: 30. He turned 30 in just October. Just
4: turned 30. Man, young, young bucks, born before young. the Challenger went off. Babies. Um, so. You guys are the future. What? what uh, sorry, and Daniel too. <laughs> <laughs> well, Daniel's older than me. He is older. much older. Yeah, he's yeah, older yeah, than me. So older. you guys are younger than us. Um, what do you think is the the biggest uphill battle going forward for the church in the United States? Like when you're an old preacher and an old preacher's wife, or or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. What's the What's that challenge that you see coming down the road? Even ten years, fifteen years, twenty, thirty years from now? That's a good question. Want me to go? Yeah, go ahead.
0: I I I think one thing, um, and we've kind of already talked about it, Mm -hmm. but um, I think the church has got to be more genuine. Yeah. We've got to be more open. We've got to be more transparent. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Um, I think there's a lot of judgment that comes whenever we do that, and I think that's why we don't Mm -hmm. open up and talk about the struggles, because I think with millennials, that's one thing that they're looking for. They're looking for a genuine relationship. They want to know that this is not something fake. Yeah. They're used to the fake. Mm-hmm. They want something real. And they know that if I'm dealing with something, you're probably dealing with something too. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't want it sugar-coated. Um, and they're really big into relationships, one-on-one relationships. And that's one thing that Kate and I have both been trying to do is like with our new families, been trying to take them out to eat to get to know them better, to build a relationship with them, um, to get them plugged into the church because I think that's so vital. But I think that's a big deal with millennials is they, they want to know that, that who you are on Sundays is mm-hmm. who you are on Mondays. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one thing I love about pastor. What you see is what you yeah. get. I mean, that's the way he is. Yeah. He's very genuine. Um, but I think a lot of churches, it's very showy. It's very flashy. Um, and, you know, that may, that may appease some people, but I, I think it only goes so far. I think millennials see past some of that stuff and they want genuine
5: I mean, I think, I mean, there's a lot of millennials right now that are jumping on the bandwagons of like eating healthier and going green and all this stuff. I think, yeah, yeah, they yeah. want something to stand behind. They want a cause. Mm. They True. And I feel like it's just a matter of getting them on board. I don't think it's going to be keeping them. That's going to be the problem. I think it's getting them on board. Yeah. And Seeing that we're different, that we're not what the stigma is right. of church, you know, yeah. and it's having a relationship with Him and not a religion.
3: You're hearing that a lot <laughs> the the church being transparent, yeah. And, um, and and that's, I'm glad you brought that up. That is something I'm a millennial and I yeah. just, I'm not, you know, but
2: <laughs> I,
1: I wonder too if we if we need to be louder, yeah, because like especially with the media the squeaky wheel gets the grease right yeah. so in the past the only churches they were ever showing on the news right. was preaching hate preaching right. whatever with the big hypocrites yeah the big right. hypocrites yeah. so which we're all hypocrites yeah. we are yeah. and and yeah. i've heard you know somebody say that i don't go to church because it's full of hypocrites we are we got room for one more come mm-hmm. sit right with me. Like, right, <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. if you're a drug uh,
5: but, addict come to church if you're mm-hmm. sleeping with your boyfriend come to church like yeah, Itch. Church okay. is
1: AA for life. Yeah, absolutely. We're all, it is. We all got issues. Yeah. We, all, we, right. we come here to, to yeah. work it out, try to work it out, yeah. get the tools right. to work it out. Yeah. Right. But.
5: And I think what we talked about on the way here, it's like, don't underestimate the gathering of saints. You know, like, we're here to help you. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of my, my story and the way I am today is because the church helped me carry that burden when I was sick. And because they did, it got easier. And I think that if, when we gather together and we support each other, and when we love each other through our crap, through our crap, through our burdens, and through our our garbage, that we um we'll get we'll get through to them. Mm-hmm. I think.
1: Yeah, and I think trying to like you're you're taking them out. To, you know, when new yeah. t- couples come in, you're taking them out. Yeah. Whatever you're talking to them, trying to get them plugged into small groups. I know the small right. group I'm in that's helped me more than. Yeah. anything because yeah. yeah. it's a group of guys that I'm, yeah. I'm with and we can you know Build unfortunately it. Josh is there, so I got to put him Yeah you know what I <laughs> mean Yeah we we cut up I mean that's we cut oh. up a lot we laugh yeah. a lot and I'm t- I'm sure you've heard stories and <laughs> you know what I mean but it just I don't know it's just it helps me more yeah. You know, my little Thursday night for a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. with five guys sitting around talking. Yeah. You know, more yeah. than yeah. Oh yep. well, yeah, we. Oh, eat, I'm sure with
4: Gator. Eat, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, do you need to be a minister to start a small group? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not.
5: What is it? I mean, you were going to talk about, you know, just COVID and how you know we should gather together and um, have watch parties. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah, it's something that we're trying here at the church. Um, is you know. Of course, with COVID and everything, with a lot of things, um, we never officially shut down, but a lot of churches shut down, and some people, um, absolutely, they they have uh, medical conditions to where they're very susceptible to COVID, and I don't judge them at all for not coming to church, but it's finding a way, how can we minister to them where they are in this season of their life, Um, because we don't want them to fall away from the church, and one thing that I think is very important, um, it's one thing that I appreciate about the church is like we've already talked about, is relationships that you have. And so, I sure, I can stay at home and I can watch church online, but if I'm by myself, yeah. um, am I really growing? I mean, I need someone else, you know, iron sharpens iron. I need someone oh, man, to, I need I, I, I need, <laughs> I I need someone else to kind of help me and come along with me and kind of point out the things that, that I need to improve on because we all have areas we need to improve on. I think that's where the church comes in. Um, But, you know, with watch parties, I love them because, you know, you can have a small group. It's really a small group where you're watching the service online in your home, put it on the TV, invite people in your neighborhood um, to come in to watch it with you. We have discussion questions and um, then you kind of you're actually a little church. Basically, you're serving as a little church. You're holding each other accountable. Um, you know, it's so hard at Oxford Assembly. You know, pastor says this all the time. He's like, someone will come up to him and ask him, hey, have you seen so-and-so? I haven't seen them at church. And he's like, well, did you call them? And like, well, no. I thought you were going to call them. He's like, well, why don't you pick up the yeah. phone? Why don't you call them? Mm-hmm. But it's hard whenever we're, you know, as large as we are at OAG to stay connected with every single individual. Yeah. We don't want people to fall off, but whenever they're in a small group like that, it's easy to stay connected. It's easy to hold each other accountable um, because that's what it's all about. It's about growing. We don't want to stay where we are.
5: And I think that's, I mean, um, I have one of the privileges here at Oxford to be an online host for um, our online platform when I can, and um, I think it's great too that we're able to see, we're seeing the same people, and we're like, how Mm -hmm. has your week been, and can we pray for you? And I think that's a great outlet, too, that we have. And, I mean, I know Pastor Daniel doesn't have a mic right now, but this is his element. I feel like this is what you were created to do. (laughs) And I'm telling you what, I mean, the Bible says you're born for such a time as this. And could you imagine, Daniel, if he was born, like, before Technology, like <laughs> when well, he would be I like, I could
1: have been born before technology. Not <laughs> I David. was like, I was born
5: before
2: technology. Well, before like the boom,
5: right? So I'm telling you, like I think, I think nice that he is awesome. You're he, a nerd. We need, we need him. We need him. But he's awesome. We're it's funny, I heard.
3: I guess there was a church in California because they were not allowed to assemble, so they didn't oh, have yeah. a church meeting. They had a yeah. they had a protest, yeah. and mm. instead of singing yeah. hymns, yeah. Yeah. yes, and, and re, it was an anti sin <laughs> protest to get around <laughs> it. Well, that was fabulous. That was, um, ah, gosh, these just keep getting better and better. It seems the, the less we talk, the better they are. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> that's, that's, that's my problem is <laughs> no, I, oh, I don't ever so, shut up. So uh, Somebody's going to tell me, just shut up. (laughs) And I'll
4: I'll probably argue with you, but yeah. yeah. Are you about to quit? What's the final word, y'all?
3: What's the rally? What's our rally cry?
5: Keep going.
3: I was going to say, don't stop. Yeah. Don't stop. Even
5: when it's hard. Keep going. We're here to help you. The church is here Mm. to help you.
0: You know, life is is hard, Um, you're going to face obstacles, Um, and that's just one thing I would encourage you to do if you have not, it was actually, it it was amazing as I actually wrote out my testimony, you know, I, I internally, I know my testimony, but it was so awesome to actually put it on paper and write it out, because there's some things that I just forgotten about and mm-hmm. I I don't I don't want to give the enemy more credit than he deserves, but a lot of times Satan begins kind of taking those memories away from you of all yeah. the things that God has done. And it kind of reminds you whenever you go through trials, whenever you have this in your hand wrote out, you can say, Satan, God has never left me. Mm-hmm. Here is my testimony. He has always been faithful to me. It may not come whenever I want it to, but in time, somehow, God's going to come through for me. He always has, and He always will.
3: Amen. And I think adding on to what uh, um, Ms. Marcia had said about not only uh, podcasts and doing stuff on Facebook, but by having it written down, one yes. day yes. your kids will have that and they oh, can yeah. pass that down to their yeah. kids. But this generation. is just the
5: beginning. you know. Yes. This is just this far. Yes. This is just our story this far. Right. It is not over. It's not over. And it's just the beginning, which is even more exciting.
3: <laughs> well, thank you again so much. Thank you for having us. For coming yes. on the Whatsoever Podcast Show. Yeah. Thank you.
4: All right, y'all, we just want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. The Whatsoever Things podcast is just a group of folks sitting around talking about their faith, and it does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of the
0: leadership of Oxford Assembly of God. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. You can subscribe in whatever your favorite podcast application is. And if you'd like to find out more information about our church, you can visit our website at www.oxfordag.org. That's O-X-F-O-R-D-A-G dot org. We'll see you next time.